Hey there, thanks for joining us here on The Conversation. I'm Brooke Thomas, obviously I am not Jake. I'm filling in for him today, super glad to be here because we're gonna have a couple of really good conversations. I am joined live in the studio and I am rarely here for a live in studio interview, so I'm pretty excited about that today. We have Nikki Bailey here. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Brooke. You are a comedian, you co-host Plus This podcast and it's a new podcast, right? The podcast actually been on for three seasons, but I'm the new co-host. Perfect. So yeah. you're new to the old podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. And you also are a founder of Fatch Comedy Show. Yeah. That's awesome. Fatch Comedy, it's a fat sketch comedy show. So all of our performers and writers are fat people. <laughs> you are funny, too. I was watching some YouTube clips of older stuff you did. There was this, like, this thing about church. That you, you know what I'm talking about already? I was laughing I out loud. But there was, a, there was a clip that it was hilarious. It's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I went to seminary, so and I grew up in church, mm-hmm. so I talk about religion and church a lot in my stand-up. Yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's some, I mean, the whole part was funny, but I liked it a lot. And uh, we're here today, we're going to talk about body positivity mm-hmm. and kind of what that means and also how it's been manipulated sometimes when it's talked about. So I want to just get right into it. Sure. Uh, so when we say body positivity, what does that mean to you? So po- body positivity is a is a, a movement about helping people reclaim positive feelings about how they look. Uh-huh. Uh, so the interesting thing is there there's kind of a almost a little divide. So there's people who are like fat positivity and people who are body positivity. And what we've noticed is that lately it seems like uh, body positivity has been a little bit co-opted by corporations, mm-hmm. sometimes to really wonderful ends, sometimes to not so wonderful ends. But the the whole idea basically is about just loving who you are in the body that you're in in any given day. And I think that how can anybody have a problem how with that? How can you have a problem with that, right? A lot of people have a problem with that, and we'll get into yeah, how ridiculous but, it is but too. But the idea is that why am I supposed to dislike myself because of how I look? This is who I am. Right. So, it's yeah. The, point should be everyone should be encouraged to love themselves. Absolutely. But we're not all there yet. So on this note, I want to talk about a Gillette social media post. Uh, The company shared this picture of a model. Her name is Anna O'Brien on their Gillette Venus account. The caption is simple. You can read it there. It says, go out there and slay the day. But of course, she is a plus size model and pair that with being online and the awful people that hide behind dog avatars, um, and you get lots of nasty comments. And as you can imagine, there were a lot of nasty comments under the post. Um, What was your reaction to some of the reactions to what was, I don't know, a pretty happy post, I thought? Yeah, I loved the post. I was super excited to see it. You never get to see a fat woman in a bikini on the beach. So it was a celebration to me. Uh My reaction to the negative uh, stuff was really... Like, shut up. (laughs) You know, like, like, why are you raining on this woman's parade? Why are you raining on anyone's parade? Mind your business. If you don't want to look at her, don't look at her. But, but, you know, she can live. Let us live. And, yeah, right. That's a good thing about social media. You can just log off. Right. You can unfollow things right. you don't like. You don't you have, don't to, have be to be rude to strangers. Yeah. You don't know these people. Yeah. So listen, all of the negative comments were nasty. Every single one of them, I think, a negative comment about someone's appearance is always nasty. But what was fascinating to me is this idea some people have in their head. They think um, they aren't being rude because they truly believe they are just concerned mm-hmm. about a brand promoting what they believe to be an unhealthy lifestyle. And, and you get that a lot. I mean, you see that a lot when there are... Um, posts that kind of support people having body sizes that aren't a size zero. 
And I want to know if you can break that down from your perspective on uh, just why, for lack of a better word, it's ridiculous. So there are healthy and unhealthy people at every size, yes. right? Mm -hmm. uh, whether you're a size 2 or a size you know, 40, you can be healthy or unhealthy. Yes. And here's the really interesting part. All kinds of people have hair on their bodies and want to shave it off. So yay for Gillette for, <laughs> for recognizing that fat people have bodies with hair on them and that sometimes people would like to be, you know, remove the hair. So if you're trying to sell products to people, you know, of all different shapes and sizes and races and backgrounds and sexual orientations and genders, awesome. We're going to buy your products. Wouldn't it be great if we could see ourselves in the advertisements mm -hmm. for the products? Because that makes me go, oh, well, you know, hey, if Anna is using Gillette, maybe I might want to use Gillette. And, you know, since they're celebrating someone who looks like me, yay. Right. You, it's nice to feel re represented. Yeah. I think representation matters in representation all matters across the board. In, in every possible way. And one of the things that we're seeing is uh, in Hollywood in particular, we're seeing that people are talking a lot about diversity and inclusion. Yes. We're talking about getting people of different races and ethnicities and, 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 and different abilities. But what we're missing and often aren't talking about is that inclusion should include people of all different body sizes. And, you know, if you're fat and you're on television, if you're fat on the Internet, if you're fat in an advertisement, it doesn't necessarily mean that there is a problem. It means that we're acknowledging the fact that, like, there are all kinds of bodies in the world, and they all deserve attention and representation because they all matter. We all matter. Everybody does matter, yes. And on yeah. that point, uh, Gillette felt the need to respond to some of the responses they were getting. And here's a statement from um, a spokesperson for Gillette's parent company, Procter & Gamble. So the statement is, Anna O'Brien is a body-positive advocate and influencer and has an inspiring platform of self-love. She is not a paid partner of Venus, nor was the image created at the brand's request. We simply asked to share the photo of her as part of our efforts to represent more women and their stories on our platform. What did you think about that? You know, I think it's a perfectly fine statement. I mean, you know, they're just acknowledging that she's a human being. And and we they wanted to share an image of someone who looked who didn't look like the typical model, which is great. I right. think it's wonderful. And I love that Gillette is working they seem to be working hard at sort of changing their branding to meet the expectations of the fact that there are so many different kinds of people in the world. I think it's a positive change. So yeah. I like that. Uh, why do you think it is though that people attack bodies? When let's get back to what we were talking about earlier. Um, and what really is a lot of people point out often, what really is like average size bodies, what like what your average American woman looks like, why people attack that as unhealthy if they see someone who's not a size two or not a size zero, but there's not that type of anger. I don't, I don't ever see that type of anger under like a skydiving post, and right. that seems unhealthy. I don't know. That seems pretty dangerous. I don't know. I never Indeed. see that type of anger like, what are you doing to yourself? Why are you jumping out of a plane, dude? Right. right, yeah. Right. Be safe. I never see that. I never see that under even like McDonald's post. Yeah. Then why do I follow McDonald's, right? Be but because I am unhealthy. <laughs> um, but why do you think that is, that it, people just are obsessed with attacking another's appearance? So 68% uh, of women in America wear a size 14 or above. Uh -huh. A third of, of Americans are considered overweight. A third are considered obese. 
we're big people now, mm -hmm. right? We've gotten to a place where now that you know we're growing in size, we don't have to work in the fields anymore, so we can oh, we, we can work at home and watch Netflix while we're doing what we do. You know what I'm saying? So look, so I think people, I think the reason that people have there's such a backlash about it is because historically, the way that we've understood fatness and fat bodies is ew. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, so, you know, the, the way that what we've been taught is that if you don't look like the women on television, if you don't look like the women in magazines, then you must not be attractive. You couldn't possibly be attractive. And it's gross. But the reality is most of us don't look like the women on television or in magazines. Most of us are not wearing a size 2 or a size 4 or even necessarily a size 10. We're, like, we're, we're, we're coming so many different shapes and sizes. Right. And so, you know, I think that people are reacting to, you know, lifetime of being trained to believe that you can only look a certain way if you're a woman and that that, you know, that little box is what's considered desirable and acceptable. And now you've got this movement, several movements of people saying, you know what? Attraction happens at every level, at every possible, you know, no matter what you're looking at, looking right. like, you know, fashion is important for all of us, no matter what size we are. And so I think we're starting to see people of size pushing back against those long sort of long held stereotypes and saying, we're here, you know, we're fat, we're fabulous. We want to we want to be acknowledged for the humans that we are. And we want we want to be seen as fully human and valuable and worthy because we are. We all are. I want to get your reaction to another part of this. This is what, like, I think personally, not like personally, like that it affects me, but personally that it bothers me because I think about kids, like when this, because it is like a large conversation often. Oh, you, you're promoting being unhealthy. These people need to do this. And I think about little girls and little boys, right? Not everybody is born skinny. Not being certain sizes is not always about what you eat or how you eat. Some people can, like a family of five can eat the same thing every day and all look completely different. That's just how life is. Yeah. And I think white, like the importance should be on not having, you know, an eight-year-old little girl who's just bigger than some of her friends feeling unhappy about herself yeah. to a point where she doesn't like herself and that she doesn't think she can rock a crop top. Or she, that's, I, you think that, that would be what everyone doesn't want. Right. Look, what we know is that shame doesn't help. Right. Right? Shame makes you feel worse about yourself. Shame makes you care less about your own health. Shame makes you depressed. And so if people were really concerned about the health of mm -hmm. people of size, they'd be concerned about our mental health. And I may have stolen that quote directly from Lindy West. I apologize. That's a good quote, though. So, yeah. so yeah. So if they were really concerned, they'd be concerned about our mental health mm -hmm. as well. And so, oh, and, and what that means is that I feel better about myself when I see images of myself celebrated all over the world. As a black woman, it matters to me to watch television and movies and magazines yeah. and see someone with my skin color on there. So it matters as a fat person as well, and it matters for young women as well so much. You can't get someone to care about their health and well-being if all you're telling them is how gross they are. So why should I care about a gross body? And how do you know they don't care about their right. health and well-being? Right. That's and not, the thing right. is, you're not my doctor. Right. You know, like, uh, you don't know what my health is you. like. And also, like, mind your business. Right? It has right. nothing to do with you. I think that's and my so, favorite phrase. Yeah. Mind your business. Mind your business. <laughs> okay, so, we have yeah. to wrap up, Nikki. I'm so sorry <laughs> to cut you off. Uh, really quickly, how can people find you? How can they find the podcast? Sure. Yeah. You can find me at uh, NikkiBaileyComedy.com on the social media at NikkiBailey underscore. You can find us at the plus this uh, podcast uh, on 
Instagram. You can also find us at Fetch Comedy. So, yeah. It was very nice to meet you. It was so nice to meet you, Brooke. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having this conversation with me. All right, we will be right back. Hey there, welcome back to The Conversation. I am Brooke Thomas, still not jinxed, still filling in for him though, but thank you so much for having me. I always love doing this. We are gonna have another pretty great, I think, conversation coming up. Right now we have a couple guests, Emmy DeChico and Rabbi Michael Pollock. Good evening. Good evening. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well, how are you all? Doing well, thanks for having us on. Absolutely. (laughs) So you're here to talk about the March to Make Corruption Illegal. Tell me about that. Sure. So March on Harrisburg is a statewide nonpartisan grassroots organization. We have been working to pass a series of democratic reforms that would end gerrymandering, make bribery illegal in Pennsylvania, and pass a series of democratic reforms um, as part of a voting rights package. So in a week and a half, We'll be yeah, we'll be kicking off from Philadelphia to march 105 miles over nine days from Philadelphia to Harrisburg to demand action and a vote on our gift ban. What made you all personally want to get involved in this? Want to do this? You want to go first? Take, yeah, absolutely. I'll take both answers. Yeah, I, I don't want to live in a world where corruption is legal and democracy <laughs> is not. And right now, that's the world that we live in, where we're, our decisions are being made by a select few group of people, uh, donors, party insiders, lobbyists, um, you know, special interests. And those uh, decisions are, are causing harm and suffering in the world and, and cause harm and suffering in our day-to-day lives. So I'm tired of Big Pharma having an outsized vote in every decision our government makes and then fueling an opioid epidemic. You know, I'm tired of the health insurance industry uh, killing us, you know, softly. Um, I'm tired of, of the fossil fuel industries. You know, uh, you know, here in Pennsylvania, we are a energy producing state. We're responsible for 1% of the world's greenhouse gas emissions. And any attempt to limit that and to move to a, a sustainable future is you run into the money wall. You run into money in politics. Mm-hmm. And so you have to kind of take on these democracy issues. You have to take on these process issues because government is our decision making process. And until we fix the way we make decisions, we're not going to make good decisions across the board on the issues that affect our day-to-day lives. Oh, yeah. I don't and know I, you. Yeah. yeah, no, I think that, you know, all the volunteers that are with March in Harrisburg, we come from a lot of different areas of organizing. You know, we have immigration rights organizing, mass incarceration organizing, um, environmental organizing. Um, and we all sort of hit what Michael and we collectively call this money wall. You know, you find a point where you're banging up against it and you're not getting anywhere because of that influence of corporate lobbyists. Personally, you know, I can connect to this work in a lot of ways, um, but something that really pushed me over the edge was working in education funding. And I was working in education funding in a small city outside of Philadelphia called Chester, which is one of the most underfunded school districts in the country, you know, where students literally don't have computers. Um, And a lot of the education funding inequality in Pennsylvania comes from the way that charter schools are regulated. And then, you know, when you are trying to demand equitable funding for these students and you show up at the Capitol and you run into charter school lobbyists, and then you start to see these connections about why, you know, students can't get updated textbooks, it makes you really want to take action. So that was one of the, you know, final straws that really pushed me to work on corruption and work with March in Harrisburg. And speaking of corruption and uh, money in politics, 
there was something I saw on your uh, website when I was doing a little research about this that I would love for you to break down for our viewers at home. Um, one of you wrote, Pennsylvania, in Pennsylvania, our legislature is bought and sold. Because I think that um, it's possible that other people in other states may find what you're about to explain familiar and not even know. Absolutely. This is the national trend for sure. And in Pennsylvania, it's pretty bad, but we're definitely not alone in this. Um, in Pennsylvania, we have no limit on campaign contributions, meaning you can, if you're a Comcast, you can cut a $1 billion check to your favorite state legislator and, and, and buy them, you know, and buy their services. We have no limit on gifts. So a gift it's a bribe. I mean, gifts is the point where the he's in Harrisburg. But when you give something of value to a politician, we call that a bribe. And that's totally legal. So cars, cash, uh, vacations, endless whining and dining, um, Hershey Park tickets, you know, if Super you want Super Bowl tickets, Kentucky Beyonce Derby, tickets. Every, it's, it's ridiculous. And, and it's just our, our, lobby, our legislators have become so close to lobbyists that they've excluded the rest of the public. Because to get access to our state legislature, you need to take them to a Penn State game on a Saturday. You need to wine and dine them and build that relationship. And if you can't afford to do that, I mean, I can't afford to go to a Penn State game. (laughs) I can't afford to go to the Super Bowl. And if I could, I wouldn't take a politician. I'd I'd take myself. Um, So you just, you don't have the access and and they just kind of keep you out and and you stay locked out of the system and your voice doesn't really matter. And the lobbyists will come in at the end of the day and and win the issue. Um, So yeah, we're trying to uh, essentially divorce special interests and, and big money concerns from our government. We're the divorce lawyers. And then the marriage counselors trying to reconnect we the people with, with our government or connect for the first time and take our democracy where it's never been before. Um, and we're certainly not alone in the country in this, uh, but we are near the bottom. We are the fifth most corrupt state in the country, according to the um, 2016 Electoral Integrity Project. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that's an interesting point too. And I know you know you all want campaign finance reform. You want limitations on what lobbyists can gift lawmakers. Overall, what does a restructuring of your government look like to you? Power with the people. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's you know, right now power is with a very select few. You know, the the party insiders and the donors and the lobbyists. And to us, it means that decisions that are made that affect people will be inclusive of of the people that those decisions affect. Um, so this means breaking down the money. Um, so campaign finance reform, gift ban, public campaign financing of elections, uh, transparency on, on all the dark money out there. On the voting rights side, same-day registration, open primaries, ranked choice voting, uh, no excuse absentee ballot reform. We have about 25 bills or so uh, to create a system where the, our elected officials are actually responsive to we the people. And we want to be really clear. And when we say, you know, end corruption and take democracy where it's never been, we mean that we are fully aware that our democracy was not written to be that, to be representative of all people. You know, it was written for capitalist white folks that owned land and everyone else was by design kept out of that system. So when we talk about making Pennsylvania more democratic, we mean making it a stronger democracy than it literally has ever been. Let's talk about, uh, aren't there, there are two bills you're supporting, right? Two bills you all are advocating for, two pro-democracy, anti-corruption bills, talking ending gerrymandering, legalized bribery. Do you want to break those down for our viewers? Sure. Um, gift ban is, is nice and simple. Right now, politicians can take anything from anyone. Our bill would make it so that they, they cannot do that. Uh, we're looking good. We had a very obstructionist um, committee chairman in the House, uh, House State Government Committee for the last 
10 years, he's blocked every civil rights bill and every democracy bill. Uh, we chased him out of there. He's, um, he, he's, he's out of the picture now. Uh, so we're feeling pretty hopeful that we're going to get some bills through. Uh, gerrymandering, you know, Pennsylvania is one of the most gerrymandered states in the country. Our state Supreme Court actually had to step in last year and redraw our congressional maps. Um, but that's going to revert back to the corrupt uh, old maps in, in 2021. So we're trying to create an independent redistricting commission um, to take the power of drawing the maps out of the hands of, of politicians who have an inherent conflict of interest drawing their own district lines. And, and one of the, you know, these things will really change the power dynamic within the Capitol itself. Gerrymandering is used as a weapon by uh, legislative leadership to enforce obedience from rank and file legislators. If you vote against the tax cut for the natural gas industry, well, then you're going to get drawn out of your district next time around. You know, it's, it's used as, as, a, as a weapon, as, as a bludgeon. And the gifts are, are used to create a, a culture of corruption that keeps people who can't afford access out of the decision-making process. So we're really just trying to strike at the core power imbalances of, of, our, of our political system. I want to talk about another... Oh, did I interrupt? Oh, it's hard when there's like two people, and I, sorry about that. But I, I do want to talk about another roadblock that um, you all are facing while um, you know protesting this, and something that may shock some people and probably shouldn't shock others. But 42, do I have that number right? 42 activists have been arrested with March on Harrisburg. What, what are, what are the crimes? <laughs> Mostly sitting down in places that are inconvenient for legislators in, at the state capitol. Um, so we've done a series of actions at the state capitol starting two years ago after our first march. Um, we had folks that did a banner drop inside the state capitol. We had folks that interrupted state government committee meetings um, and blocked the doorways into those meetings and were arrested there. Um, during a march last year, um, we marched from Lancaster to Harrisburg. And when we showed up at the capitol, we found that Speaker Terzai had canceled session. We had planned to meet with them. We had planned to do an, a very different action. But when we found out that legislators had decided to stay home, we did a Where's Waldo and Where Are Legislators action. And we dressed up activists as Waldo and blocked off the main sort of entryway within the state capitol. And then most recently, last summer, when we were hitting the gerrymandering deadline, um, the soft deadline to pass gerrymandering reform, we did a series of actions inside of our Democratic governor's office. You know, we brought in sleeping bags and we stayed and we said, we're not leaving until we, we get a response from the governor about, you know, is he going to call our legislators back before this deadline passes? Um, we did get a response and then he sort of backtracked. So then we showed up at his home. Um, and then within two weeks later, we showed up at Speaker Terzai's home and we had another five of the Speaker Terzai's constituents arrested there. Um, so we used nonviolent direct action in a very strategic way, both to gain media and to push our legislators when they need to be pushed. You know, we have a three-step system where we lobby. You know, we've met with 250 out of 203, 253 legislators um, in Pennsylvania. We've met with them. They recognize that us at the Capitol. We spend a lot of time there. Our legislative team spends a lot of time there. So we lobby, we build relationships, we let them know why we're there. We march to raise awareness. And then when we show up and do a nonviolent direct action, there's no confusion about why we're there. It's very clear what the ask is. Um, 
and we allow them, we give them time to respond to that through through nonviolent direct action. Well, I want to thank you both so much for being here with us, Emmy DeChico and Rabbi Michael Pollock. And I just want to make sure that I get everything right. The kickoff to the rally is on Saturday, April 27th, and you're marching until Sunday, May 5th. It is a 10-day march from Philadelphia to Harrisburg to make corruption illegal. Thank you so much for joining us here tonight on The Conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having us. Thanks for having us. It's been fun. All right, that's our show. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, coming up next, uh, members-only post-game. It is one of my favorite things on the entire network. And I think Anna's coming back for that today. I mean, like, more, maybe, if so. Huh? Oh, oh see, still equally as cool, though. Brett and Nando coming back, and uh, that's going to be fun to watch. So, enjoy. Thanks for having me.